It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal. Thank you for joining us for our pre-post-midst-of-war edition of Forward Nation Radio. First, before we get into that, a couple of quick programming notes. Uh, The other day, we put up on our uh, various platforms our rendition of 12 Days of Trump Christmas. At the request of some of our listeners, we have put it up as a standalone I guess to make it easier to share without all my talking. And I guess I'm assuming for a lot of people to uh, make it easier to download as a ringtone, which I'm sure people want to do. So that's up all by itself. uh, We've been a a few days since our last show. That's some of the privileges of teaching in college, I guess. I've been on vacation a little bit, but um, we plan to make up for that a little bit by having presumably several shows coming up in short order in the future because there seems to be a lot going on other than wars past present and future like as we record this show uh we have not yet seen the final democratic debate before the uh, first caucus in iowa and impeachment is hurtling forward, so we're pretty sure there'll be a lot to say over the next few days, so please check back for other shows that have been posted. Before we get into our discussions of wars, uh, big news in impeachment this week, it'd be remiss not talking about this, is former National Security Advisor John Bolton agreeing to testify if he is subpoenaed by the United States Senate. Careful language there subpoenaed by the house run by democrats that might subpoena him uh he seems to be ruling out but anyway we can all take pride in a true patriotic american exemplified by john bolton a true patriotic american being one who does his moral duty when he is legally compelled to do so so yes if he is legally compelled to testify he's indicating that he will testify It actually is a big difference. He's not planning on running out the clock, taking it to courts. So he says, like most people that Trump has ordered to shut up to protect him and his criminal activities. Bolton says that he possesses new information regarding the impeachment. We know that he possesses information. Of course, what he also means to say is he needs to sell some books, which are due out soon. Don't forget to buy your copy of John Bolton's crap. Anyway, nobody knows what to make. Sort of interesting. It seems to be putting pressure on the Republican Senate to call people who might actually have information and testify before they, you know, go to a vote, like in a trial. But nobody really knows what to make of Bolton's offer and what exactly he would testify. And the fun part about this is because there doesn't seem to be anybody on the planet who thinks that John Bolton has any integrity. So... There's not a lot of thought that what he's going to testify to is the truth and what he knows. So we all wonder what the game plan is. We are, of course, reminded by Bolton's offer and all that surrounds it of what the true story is regarding the Trump impeachment, which is starting from the president, but moving on downward throughout his administration. There is nobody with any integrity, decency, patriotism, 
honesty, or inclination to follow the law in his administration, in our governing party right now. But anyway, speaking of John Bolton, moving on to our main stories, war with Iran. And let's start with a brief timeline of what has happened to make sure that we're all up to date and operating from the same blueprint, basically. Of course, this whole thing really started, at least the latest imbroglio started, with the assassination of the top general and a revered figure in Iran, Qasem Soleimani, and at least seven other non-entities who don't figure into this discussion at all. Mostly, of course, we're going to talk about the assassination of Soleimani. And to understand how this guy is revered in Iran, it's as if Iran had come to the United States and assassinated well, someone who's not in the Trump administration, nobody in the Trump administration, somebody that people in the country actually like. Okay, now I keep saying assassination, that's actually a big issue in this discussion because the Trump administration doesn't refer to it as assassination. They refer to it, of course, as targeted killing. This isn't just a question of semantics. We've talked at length on this show through many episodes about the importance of language and how Republicans have, especially have learned to misuse language over the years to deceive and manipulate this is actually a legal distinction and um, targeted killing is something that presidents have resorted to because assassination is illegal they are not able to assassinate under the law foreign leaders and so we just call our assassinations targeted killings despite the fact that, in this case and others, they are clearly assassinations. This is not something new to Trump. The Trump has taken this to the next level, even beyond Obama, who had taken it to the next level beyond Bush. This was not one of the areas in which Barack Obama covered himself in glory. Well, the justification for this assassination was, of course, that Soleimani was preparing an imminent attack against the United States. And by imminent attack, of course, I mean that he was not preparing an imminent attack. At least if he was, we have no idea that he was. It has become perfectly clear that this justification is bullshit. The administration can't even get its story straight within itself. Just famously, Defense Secretary Mark Esper going on TV and basically contradicting the President of the United States who every day seems to be up in the ante about what we know, just making something else up different each time he talks. Now it was, I guess, four, maybe it was four embassy attacks that he was just about to do. Well, we've got Vice President Pence, that paragon of virtue, weighing in on this. We are reminded that Vice President Pence in 2004 had told Congress that we had discovered weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. When, of course, we'd done no such thing. Well, Pence is now falsely claiming that Soleimani had been complicit in the 9-11 attacks. Which, of course, he had not been. In fact, they were, uh, they were carried out by Iran's sworn enemy. But anyway, that doesn't really matter. As they try to get their story straight, the one thing that becomes perfectly clear is that we have no information whatsoever about there being an imminent attack, which would be more justification for assassinating him. Oh, I'm sorry, targeted killing him. Oh, and also we found out recently that the imminent 
threats that we can't quite explicate. Uh, well, Trump had initially authorized the attack on Soleimani, turns out, seven months prior. One has to ask ourselves, in the intervening seven months, with nothing having happened, how imminent can imminent be? Apparently, we're still waiting on imminent seven months later. Donald Trump having problems with the definitions of a lot of words, imminent apparently being one of them. So we assassinated this revered figure in Iran, and as a result, there was an eruption of protest, violence, and threats. Iran threatened retaliation initially, and then said that they were going to pull out of the nuclear accord that uh, we had pulled out of in 2018. Trump then responded to that by threatening to commit a war crime, Add that to the impeachment list, uh, where he threatened to blow up Iran's cultural sites. Yes, there's our commander-in-chief for you, responding to his own provocation and the response to his own provocation by threatening to blow up Iran's cultural sites. Class act, class act, as the president of the United States. You really got to respect this guy. In fact, you know, who, who must really respect this guy? The Taliban, because... Does his threat of blowing up cultural sites sound familiar to anybody? Because it sounds familiar to the Taliban. Because that's what they did when they took over Afghanistan. And we weren't real happy about that. We thought they were kind of losers for doing that. You know, kind of like the president of the United States is a loser for threatening that. He's since walked back his threats, being reminded that it's a war crime and presumably being told that we're not going to do it anyway. But since then, the... Iraqi, uh, Iraq responded to our assassination. The Iraqi parliament voted to expel U.S. forces from Iraq, which was, incidentally, a longtime Iranian goal to get us out of Iraq. Well, congratulations, President Trump. President Trump responded to the Iraqi parliament vote to expel U.S. forces by saying, great, we'll be out of here before you know it. And then a few days later saying, nope, we're not going to get out of here. Yes, it's that same kind of determined, thoughtful, prepared leadership that we've come to respect from the President of the United States. So Iran responded to the response to the response by attacking United States bases in Iraq. Now, it turns out they did it in a civilized manner, to the extent that you can attack bases in a civilized manner. They apparently warned us first that it was coming and thus No injuries resulted from the attack, which apparently was meant to be totally symbolic. But this was a big deal. We were worried at the time. This was a few days ago, and it's been dialed down a little bit since then. But Iran attacking the U.S. bases in Iraq, we were concerned that our unstable commander-in-chief was going to actually get us into another war in the Middle East. Prompting Sean Hannity and... His family, his sons, and the sons of Donald Trump, of course, to volunteer to fight the war in Iran and Iraq. Of course, I'm kidding. Of course, these people who support the war, this is why wars come cheap for the people who decide on wars in America. Nobody they know ever fights in them. Sean Hannity, a big booster of Donald Trump's actions and provocations. Yeah, he's going to get real involved in this war. This is, we've been reminded by a lot of people, what we have been warning about since the Trump presidency. Whatever damage he can do, a lot of it maybe 
can be undone in future years. But there are some things that maybe we can't undo so quickly, including his ability to make war, perhaps his ability to drop nuclear bombs. And we are reminded that we are responsible as the 2020 presidential election gets closer and closer, who we put into political office. Those Americans who may have family members or who may themselves be asked to fight these wars being started by our elite may want to keep that in mind. So while this was going on and we had found out that the U.S. bases in Iraq had been attacked with missiles, Donald Trump led, uh, posted some remarkably lighthearted tweet with exclamation points and everything about how things were going just swimmingly. We weren't sure yet if anyone was dead at any of our bases, but what the hell, things were looking great. There's responsibility for you. So then, of course, we're not done with our timeline. Just recently, Iran accidentally shot down a Ukrainian passenger jet. Well, at least we think they accidentally shot it down. It is possible that they had told uh, Ukraine that they wanted a favor done for them in order to not shoot down the passenger jet, but didn't get that favor. But it's looking like it actually was accidentally shot down. A tragedy, something that is not benefiting Iran, certainly something that's not benefiting its leaders. A terrible tragedy, though, Let's be clear, as the news about Boeing continues to come out, speaking of downed jetliners, and we are reminded that as awful as what Iran did, and we do not want to downplay shooting down a commercial jetliner and how awful that is, Boeing's taken down two and subsequently tried to take down more. They weren't concerned about international status. They were concerned about profits. So... I guess for most people in America, that's okay. That's a whole lot better. So we've had massive now upheaval in Iran. This has led to massive protests. We're not even sure exactly on whose side, to what extent this could be good for America, bad for America. Doesn't seem to be good overall, though it sure doesn't seem liable at this point to end well for the United States. So how the hell did we get into this mess? And this gives me an opportunity to talk for a moment about Different types of strategies, different types of management. You know, Donald Trump got into office because he was supposedly this myth of his great management. Well, you start with management, there's strategic planning. The strategic plans are your long-range plans for the future of your organization. This wasn't about that. Donald Trump's not capable of that. Then you have the next level down is tactical planning. Tactical planning is the way you figure out how to implement your long-term strategic plans. Well, no, it wasn't really about that either. No, what we're basically down to is a whole bunch of levels down. Another type of planning called Trump planning. Or pulling it from your ass because you have no fucking idea. His actions apparently flabbergasted was the term that was used flabbergasted our top military leaders and remember these are the guys who've replaced the guys who replaced the guys who were supposedly the qualified grown-ups in the room but even these military leaders trump's military leaders were flabbergasted that the jackass would do this 
So I have a suggestion to these top military leaders who are flabbergasted by this, who are leaking their flabbergastedness. You want to distance yourself from the actions of the Trump administration to possibly drag us into a war? Quit. Quit your job. Like all the so-called adults in the room had already done. One way we can avoid going to war on Donald Trump's whimsy is to have nobody left to prosecute that war. Except, I guess, for Jared. I suppose Jared could do it. Anyway, so Donald Trump had started this whole thing off with a tweet and then proceeded to alert Congress by tweet after the fact about what he had done, possibly starting a war with Iran. But in his defense, he did, of course, go about alerting the guests at Mar-a-Lago, his resort for wealthy people, where before we did any of this, Donald Trump was heard talking about the fact that he was going to do something like this. Not to Congress, not to people in this country who mean anything, but to rich jackasses who frequent his resort. Ultimately, the important thing is, does this advance the good of the country? (laughs) Shall we just move on from this one? Advance the good of the country? Anybody really want to make this argument that this is advancing the good of America? There's nobody really advancing that argument that I can tell. Um, And by nobody, I I do. Okay, I exclude Sean Hannity, of course. Sean Hannity thinks that this is a really good idea, remembering that he's got no stake in this game. But even at state media, even at Fox News, there's a lot of pushback on this one. The president of the United States assassinating a revered top general in Iran. Nobody else seems to be. Nobody else in our government seems to be speaking up for it, with the possible exception of Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Like Sean Hannity, basically doesn't count. He doesn't have a mind of his own. Uh, At this point, the United States has been losing badly from this. Trump had better be losing badly from this. It is good news, however, for ISIS. It's been good news for the terrorists that Donald Trump has been promoting, of course. Make America great again? Well, if by America you mean the Taliban, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, people who are trying to sow instability in the Middle East to create crises that they can exploit, way to go, Donald Trump. I hope they sent him a New Year's card. We ask ourselves, of course, because this is what matters in this country right now, was this even good for Israel? We're hearing from religious fanatics like Secretary of State Mike Pompeo about how wonderful this will be because, of course, creating crises in the Middle East will ultimately lead to Armageddon. Not necessarily something in the interests of Israel. Certainly not in the interests of the Jews in Israel. So in any way, shape, or form, was this about the country? No. Shocking to say. Shocking to say. It is possible that this was all about Donald Trump. Donald Trump acting only in the interests of Donald Trump? Gee, who could have seen that one coming? Turns out that war and destabilizations are always good for fascists. When you are trying to consolidate power, when you are trying to end the rule of law, when you are trying to become a dictator, war and destabilization are wonderful things. So take a look out in the future for what kind of pushback there might be. Donald Trump looks to once again build 
and improve upon his fascist credentials. One delicious irony here, as far as this advancing Donald Trump's inches, is the thought and the concern that Donald Trump may have done this as a distraction from impeachment, or just as they say, because America always rallies around wartime leaders. The delicious irony here, as you've probably seen, all the clips, all the statements that Donald Trump has made about Barack Obama. And Barack Obama assassinating Osama bin Laden and other terrorist threats. And Donald Trump calling him out for doing it for nothing but political purposes. It is remarkable how many of these video clips are out there. Our president will start a war with Iran because he has absolutely no ability to negotiate. I believe that he will attack Iran sometime prior to the election because he thinks that's the only way he can get elected. Isn't it pathetic? And that is coming from a man expert in pathetic. One of my other favorite video clips of Donald Trump angrily calling out Barack Obama for assassinations for his own interests, not for the interests of the United States of America, was his conversation on Sean Hannity's show, where Sean Hannity was as outraged by what Obama was possibly doing as Donald Trump was. The Sean Hannity, who, of course, now supports Donald Trump's decision and forgot what Sean Hannity said just a few years ago. Other than, of course, the fact that Barack Obama, as we all know, had no integrity, whereas Donald Trump has such integrity that nobody could ever call into question his motives. Yes, just keep keep that Fox News on, you fucking morons. Anyway, um, but even this discussion is probably giving Donald Trump too much credit. Remember, the Trump pull-it-out-of-your-ass strategy doesn't contemplate even this kind of strategic thinking. Going, going forward. What, what this may all be about is, remember when Donald Trump called off the last proposed strike on Iran several months ago? Do you know he got a lot of criticism in right-wing circles for that? For not being manly enough? For not using his bombs wherever he could? We are reminded by President Trump that it is never, ever a good idea to, the attack, to attack the size of some loser's SUVs. And when you attack the size of Donald Trump's, you know, SUVs, wow, he's going to come out swinging. And it's just as likely to believe that this is just his way to quiet people who didn't think he was manly enough. You know, he liked to throw around the wimp label regarding some of his opponents. So here's my suggestion to Iran. Please be smart. You've already shown some thoughtfulness, some reticence when it comes to retaliating. Here's, here's my suggestion. Donald Trump doesn't give a shit about America. He doesn't give a shit about Americans. He doesn't give a shit about our fighting men and women. And for that matter, most Americans don't give a shit about him. And the overwhelming majority of Americans do not support his attacks on your country or his latest attack on your country in any event. So here's a win-win-win all the way around. Don't retaliate against the United States of America or our interests and our properties. Attack Donald Trump. Attack his properties. Throwing weapons at U.S. military bases doesn't do anything for you. Throw your weapons at Trump hotels. 
And yes, call to get people out first. We don't want we don't want innocent foreign dignitaries trying to bribe the president of the United States to be caught in the middle of this. But blow up Trump's shit. Blow up some golf courses. Go after him. Then the entire world, which pretty much already has your back on this one, will really have your back. You'll pretty much have nobody left on the other side. Just retaliate against Trump and all his properties. One other thing, of course, that Donald Trump's thinking was not about, but not about consequences for the world, not about the United States, not about Israel, not about the rest of the world either. One way that Iran can retaliate, of course, is doing damage in various parts of the world as they threaten to do through terrorism. They're not strong enough to confront us head on. And again, this is Donald Trump. He doesn't give a shit how many innocent civilians you kill. He doesn't even give a shit how many cultural landmarks you might blow up in various allied countries. He doesn't even like our allies. He doesn't like anybody. Just go after his stuff. Oh, just one more thing before we move on about what this is not about. We're sometimes here, even in the so-called liberal media, i.e. the non-propaganda media, talking to you again, New York Times, that this might be a byproduct of impeachment weakening the president of the United States. Don't embarrass yourself. This isn't being caused by impeachment and trying to hold the president accountable. Terrorists around the world, hostile countries around the world are not being emboldened by impeachment. They're being emboldened by an incompetent, self-interested, criminal piece of shit running the United States of America. Don't try to slough this off onto Democrats. Don't try to lay this off onto people who are actually trying to enforce the Constitution. The result of trying to enforce the Constitution or the, the rule of law in America is not chaos around the world. The result of Donald Trump becoming president is chaos around the world. Just like all of his other great wins internationally which can be counted on one finger of one hand. This has nothing to do with Democrats weakening the president of the United States. This is what it means to have a liar as the president of the United States. It means we lose our allies. We lose the support we need to try to help keep order internationally. It's what happens when an administration comes out and says that it had to head off an imminent threat from Soleimani and terrorist and potentially terrorist groups. And the entire rest of the world does not take that seriously because it is coming from a pathological liar as president of the United States. If this is a result of our not having allies, not allies we can lead anyway. Only allies we can threaten and extort, which aren't really allies. Trump may have done the impossible here and put a white hat on Iran, so to speak, only because he has so tarnished the presidency of the United States of America. In fact, even when I talk about this being this, you know, what about when, this worst case moment that we all feared, I... I I worry that when I do that, I'm minimizing the threats that this administration represents in so many other areas and so much damage that he is doing to our country and the world by making it seem like this is so much worse than everything else that he's been doing. Because what about all the other ways that this incompetent 
president and his administration and the governing political criminal organization that he heads are screwing things up, though sometimes somewhat less visibly. The GOP, that criminal organization, is all in for all of that, though they really would like to stop the war because that might interfere somehow with some of their profits. Well, how does the GOP stop this? Right now, apparently not through a vote to limit his powers. The Democrats are trying to peel away just a few Republican senators to get a majority, though Donald Trump will just veto that. They will not ever get a veto-proof majority to limit this insane leader's ability to create wars. Um, Gee, how could the Republicans stop this guy? They could, of course, just do their job and impeach. That's how they could stop us from getting into wars. But the problem is, of course, well, one, they don't want to impeach because he's one of their guys, but they also don't want to impeach because they like the rest of the looting that he's doing on their behalf and that they're doing with his help. Maybe we can extract a promise from Trump and from the Democrats to allow Republicans to continue looting this country as long as they'd let us get rid of this dangerous son of a bitch who might end the world sooner rather than later. You know, George Carlin, of course, many of our listeners will already know this, had a famous, he was alive, had a, a famous bit on the United States and war. Talking about how we were such warmongers, we like to call everything a war. So Carlin talked, for instance, about the war on poverty, or as Republicans know it, the war on the poor. We could talk about, in this country, the war on hunger, or you know, with the GOP, the the war on the hungry, i.e. through its war on food stamps that it's currently engaging in. If you watch Fox News, we've got the war on Christmas. We've got, of course, the war on pollution, the war to protect our planet, or in GOP circles, the war on the planet. And speaking of war on the planet, we might have avoided, at least for now, an outright hot war with Iran. But let's be clear that we are still at war with the planet. And the planet has helped make that perfectly clear this last week or so by basically burning the entirety of Australia. Putting as many as 30 million acres of Australia on fire. Fires that could be seen from space. Smoke that could be seen from space. Smoke that are having fires that are having a devastating impact on the population as well as the wildlife. Fires which are the direct result of climate change. Speaking of the war on the planet, the EPA has proposed tighter pollution rules regarding trucks. Wait, did you hear that correctly? The EPA has proposed tighter pollution rules? The EPA this week has begun a legal process to curb emissions of nitrous dioxide linked to asthma and lung disease. Just to show that I am an honest broker, I've said from the very beginning I started the show, if and when Donald Trump ever does anything good, I will praise him for it. I will, I will raise it, I will bring it to people's attention. I'll raise the issue. And I will say, look, Donald Trump has done something good. Well, this isn't it. Wait, 
Tighter pollution rules on trucks are not doing something good. Well, in case you missed this story, the reason that we have are instituting tighter pollution rules on trucks is to preempt tougher rules that are being fought for nationally and that are being implemented by our states across America. Tougher rules that will do more to actually alleviate the problem. So Donald Trump responds, as Republicans always have, by doing bad and trying to make it look like they're doing good. What's interesting with this story is that these weaker rules, not as strong as we need, are being used to preempt state laws. Go back and listen to some of our shows in the past about states' rights and how Republicans supposedly believe in states' rights. But as I've pointed out many times on this show, we have another example of the fact that Republicans don't believe in states' rights. They believe in corporate rights. And if the states are ever in a position to actually enact strict regulations, all of a sudden the Republican Party, as they've just demonstrated, do not believe in states' rights anymore. Speaking of the war on the planet, still this week, we have an attack against the National Environmental Policy Act. You might have missed this one. Hasn't been in the news very much. But there is a Trump proposal to reduce the environmental review of major energy and infrastructure projects. To reduce environmental review of major energy projects. This in a world facing climate change that has Australia on fire. The idea of this one is to keep the public in the dark. Part of the Republicans' continuing war on information or truth. It's one of the many wars they continue to fight. Here, keeping the public in the dark so that they could poison us. They could destroy our planet without us getting upset about it. In last week's show, and I think the show before, we talked somewhat extensively about market externalities, an issue that I've talked about several times before. Because it's one that both sides should really be able to agree on, whether you're conservative or liberal. We should all agree on the fact that people should pay for their own shit. Shouldn't have other people paying for your stuff. Republicans apparently are big on the concept of moral hazard, except, as I've pointed out, for rich people. Well, if you allow oil companies to drill for oil without letting anybody know what the environmental impact will be, that's adding to market externalities. That is destroying the planet because you are able to get somebody else to pay for it. So our way of addressing climate change, if we are a political party at war with America, is to prevent us from doing anything to alleviate it and to give the worst actors on the planet, the worst criminals on the planet, the people who have profited off of destroying the country and destroying people's lives, destroying the planet, giving them more and making other people pay for it. Anyway, stay tuned for our continuing war coverage because we're certain to continually be at war. But that's all we have time for today. As I noted at the top of the show, we'll be back to you soon with the latest on the Democratic debates and impeachment and our continuing wars. Till then, thanks for joining us and be well. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 